So we spent quite a bit of this week in the last couple looking ahead to the start of the college football season and even beyond that with what might lie ahead as conference realignment continues to turn. And some of that's positioning yourself in terms of perception and how well you perform. JMU last year, you know, they got national championships. I don't think they're as big of a brand as Liberty. They don't have those marquee big-name opponent victories that Liberty collected during the Hugh Freeze era, and they obviously don't have the financial resources, but they have had good success, and, and they're expected, I would think, to do that similarly in the Sun Belt this year. Old Dominion sure looked like they uh, were just basically being a funnel to the NFL and to Virginia Tech as a good chunk of their roster is left to go both of those places. Uh, meanwhile, Liberty... They're a weird one because right now they're about nine for the projected win total. And I like them over that. But if you're looking at like power ratings, if you come up with your own rankings of the best teams, they may be lower than that in terms of the top end ability of their roster. But the offense, I think, will be in a good spot. Obviously, the schedule is much easier. And you do have a coaching staff that seems to know what they're doing. And then, yes, there's Virginia and Virginia Tech. And, uh, you know, I can see Virginia Tech doing well and taking steps forward. I really am not high on UVA at all. Those are kind of an overview uh, of analysis and thoughts on each of those teams. Somebody who has studied them in greater depth for Pro Football Network looking ahead to the college football season as he studies that sport year-round and sometimes with an eye on what they might be doing at the next level. These guys going on to the NFL Friend of ours, Oliver Hodgkinson from Pro Football Network. Back with us here in the Fast Lane. Ollie, good to speak with you. Always enjoy your work across at OJ Hodgkinson. Yes, he is across the pond. He's staying up later than they are for Wimbledon Tennis, where they keep suspending <laughs> matches left and right and really throwing me for a loop trying to keep up with all the plays that I might have going on. They're actually not in a bad spot from my projections. But anyway, that selfish note aside, Oliver, we appreciate you staying up late for us. Unlike that grass tennis tournament overseas, um, <laughs> from the local team's angle, we'll start with the smaller schools, actually. JMU, Old Dominion, Liberty. Is there a clear-cut divide between the teams that you expect to be good, JMU and Liberty once again, and the ones where you have, uh, we'll be diplomatic here, serious reservations like a gutted Old Dominion roster? Yeah, it's always great to be back with you guys. Appreciate you having me on. Um Let's 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 start with the bad, and it can only get better from there. Yes, as you get mentioned, out of the way. <laughs> as you mentioned in the introduction, it is going to be a tough old year for Old Dominion. Um, you look at the the roster. You you mentioned the word gutter. I don't think there's a better word to describe it. Ali Jennings, one of the best receivers in the nation, to VT. Blake Watson, one of the top running backs in college football last year, to Memphis. Hayden Wolf, quarterback to to Western Michigan, kind of late on in the transfer portal cycle. Nick Salaveri to the draft, Zach Hunts to the draft, Trey Hawkins to the draft. That's There's so much talent gone out the door. And in, sometimes you can offset that if you bring in the right guys. I think you look at the old Dominion roster as it is right now, and it's it's not a roster that screams the potential that we have seen. You know, ODU have had some, some great results in recent years. Um, last season, pulling off a shock early in the season, you don't look at that roster and feel comfortable in saying that that's a team that could do so again this year. You look at the schedule, it could be worse. It could be a lot worse to schedule. But there's a, at JMU and Coastal Carolina um, on back-to-back weekends, uh, obviously playing host to Coastal Carolina. But that's consecutive weekends, which is a gutter right in the middle of the season. So for Old Dominion, yes, they return the nation's leading tackler in Jason Henderson. 
across the whole roster, across the schedule with those two games in particular. I think it's going to be a really tough, tough season for the Monarchs and um, and one that probably they'll be they'll be grateful to see the back of come the end of November. Um, JMU and Liberty, very two very different situations, and you know JMU had that great season, first season in the FBS last year, and I think a lot of people. Um, kind of felt aggrieved for the Dukes because they can't play for a Sunbelt title or they can't play for one this year either under those transition uh, rules from the FBS, uh, from the FCS, sorry. There's some more questions, I think, this year when you look at the the roster as a general, uh, as a whole. Um, they lose quarterback Todd Santeo, who was an integral part of their success last year. Um, the running back, who was so strong for them, Percy, last year, and, and at the FCS level as well, he was so strong for them. Isaac Ukwu, the the edge prospect, he's gone to Old Miss for this season, and he was such a heartbeat of their, their defence. I love what they did in the transfer portal, particularly at the wide receiver position. St. Francis wide receiver, Elijah Surratt, he was extremely productive. A guy that Duke's fans will be familiar with, Phoenix Brawls out of North Dakota State, comes into that wide receiver room as well. And they return leading tackle of Taurus Jones. They return James Carpenter, who's a, a really dangerous threat on the interior of the defensive line. The schedule is brutal, I think, for JMU this year. When you look at who you expect to be good in the Sun Belt, Troy, obviously, South Alabama, obviously, Coastal. They've got to play all those teams. They've got to play a good Marshall team as well. who has got one of the best running backs in the nation in Rasheen Ali. So it's going to be tough. I don't think nine wins is out of the question. Um, but I think it will be difficult. Um, you think about a sophomore slump that the, there's the potential for. I don't think you see a team that goes suddenly from being first caliber to worst caliber, but it is going to be tough for JMU this year. Um, and Liberty, I don't think there's a more exciting team in in your area, in the area of Virginia, than the Liberty for a number of reasons. You know, you bring in an incredible, innovative, offensive mind like Jamie Chadwell. See what he's done for Coastal Carolina in the last couple of seasons. I think it's an exciting time for Conference USA as a whole because you've got this conference that, yes, has only got nine teams, but there's a brand new TV deal. There's going to be midweek football action. And there's good teams in the Conference USA this this season as well. And, and for Liberty, you mentioned um, the win total in your introduction there, Ed. There's no avoiding the hard games when you look at Conference USA because there is such few, um, so few teams. So yes, they don't have those um, marquee matchups that they're able to arrange as an independent, but they're going to have to play some big hitters in Conference USA. They're going to have to travel to Western Kentucky. They face a Louisiana Tech team, which I'm very high on this year. Middle Tennessee has got a lot of quality on their roster, both sides of the ball. And Liberty lost a lot of talent. You know, me and me and you talked about Ed during the draft. A guy like Demario Douglas, um, guys in the defense like Rocket Rahimi of the secondary. There's a, a lot of talent gone. But I really like what they did with some of the pieces of the transfer portal, which was something that Jamie Chadwell talked about in the spring. He wasn't super happy with the depth. Wasn't super happy with the quarterback situation. Um, which is something we'll, we can discuss in a second, but they brought in lots of depth on the offensive line. There's Xavier Gray from Akron, who's a six foot nine, three hundred and thirty pound offensive tackle, who had got power five interest. Jordan White, who's got power five experience across right tackle, guard, and centre. That offensive line was a, an issue um, for Liberty when Malik Willis was there. You know, when me and you first started talking, Ed, and studying Malik Willis, that offensive line has been an issue. So Jamie Chadwell's really tried to bolster that. 
Um, but I think the big question when you look at, at Liberty is that quarterback situation. You mentioned that, and it's one that has been a mystery over the last couple of years since the departure of Malik Willis. Um, is this a spot where, and take us inside the Jamie Chabwell offense from his time at Coastal, where maybe it's the offensive system that masks some of the concerns, whether this is just the raw physical God-given abilities of a Jonathan Bennett who seems to grasp and do what the coaches act, but there's limited athletic upside, to other guys who may be athletic, like a Caden Salter, but not necessarily have put it all together. Is this a system that taxes quarterbacks greatly or really makes it simple enough and doesn't ask enough out of them that the other playmakers can elevate what seems to be an unsettled quarterback position? It's an interesting question because I think you're very quickly going to find the answer out with how Grayson McCall does for Coastal Carolina this year. Um, Coastal Carolina and, and Grayson McCall, there's no doubt in Grayson McCall's um, ability. Um, and when I look at um, the Liberty quarterback room and how who best fits what Grayson McCall did for Coastal Carolina and, and Jamie Chadwell, I think it is Caden Salter. I think Caden Salter is that more athletic, dynamic, dual threat. You saw it from a pure numbers perspective last season, you saw it when he was on the field, did have some injury issues, but when he was on the field, he was more dangerous in that dual threat role. Um, and you need to be able to move the pile, uh, move the, the chains with your legs in Jamie Chadwell's system. And I think Caden Salter can do that better than Jonathan Bennett. Now, there's some ball security stuff with Salter. There's the injury history with Salter. Bennett brings more experience to your team. Um, but I think long view... I think Caden Salter is definitely the, the better fit. I think he's definitely the the higher upside quarterback. Um, and Jamie Chadwell, it, it won't be. I don't think won't be afraid to, to to take a swing and plug in the guy that is going to maximize the offensive potential because there is there is weapons on this offense. You know, you look at a guy like Noah Thrift, who was the the team's leading wide receiver in terms of yards per catch last season. There's talent on this team. Um, for as much as they the left the building, there is still some within it. Oliver Hodgkinson, OJ Hodgkinson, on his Twitter and Instagram profiles. He's with Pro Football Network and with us here in the fast lane also. Um, other part of Liberty in the Sun Belt is we're with Oliver on W206 BG Timberlake, WVGMA, Lynchburg, WMA, Gretna, Danville, Southside, in the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app or Fast Lane Headlane where you listen to podcasts. Uh, is this just Liberty in Western Kentucky as a lot of people seem to believe? Or do you see a path where Conference USA becomes a multi-team race with some of the other schools you mentioned, like Middle Tennessee and Louisiana Tech, creating a uh, bit more of a logjam at the top? Yeah, for me, I definitely look at Louisiana Tech and I look at what they did in the transfer portal. I look what they bring back as well from last season. They bring in Hank Backmeyer from Boise State, who has had a rough ride of it at Boise. Um, has been at some points in his career just const like a constant battering that he's received. Um, and there's been a lack of highlight games like his freshman season when the, when Boise State played FSU and, and Hank Backmeyer looked like he could become one of the best quarterbacks in, in college football. If he can stay healthy, he's got the talent to really direct this Louisiana Tech offense, which has got a great backfield with guys like Marquise Crosby, Trey Harris, Smoke Harris, um, fantastic wide receiver at Louisiana Tech. I think they've got one of the best, um, arguably the best cornerback tandem in Conference USA play as well. So I've, there's, a, there's a lot of talent on Louisiana Tech. 
I think people are kind of sleeping a little bit on them. They didn't do great last year. Um, but they've got the potential to challenge at the top. Western Kentucky, you know, you look at that program and you look what they, they've done historically the last couple of years with the, the coaching staff, some of the players they've had, like Austin Reed, the quarterback. Um, they do feel like they're the front runner right now. Middle Tennessee, like you, you mentioned there, they've got some, some great talent, um, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. Shocked Miami last year. They're a team that could make some noise in this conference. But I think when you look at the top, for me, it's it's Western Kentucky, Liberty, and, and Louisiana Tech who are probably going to be those top three teams. Oliver Hodgkinson with us in the fast lane. Ollie transitioning over to the ACC, Virginia Tech and Virginia. Do you see either of these teams trending in the right direction now, or are they treading water, which is not exactly the type of thing you want to be doing considering neither one of them came close to bowl eligibility last year? Yeah, I want so badly for UVA to be good this season. I want a good storyline to come out of UVA because obviously everything they went through last year, do you want UVA to be good? You want them to have a good storyline. They kick off at Tennessee. That's such a difficult game to start the season. They play Maryland in Maryland week three. I think Maryland are going to be a good team in the Big Big Ten. In the ACC, they have to play Duke, who I think are going to be a team that people talk about more as this season goes on, they have to travel to UNC. They avoid Clemson and FSU, which is obviously huge, but there's tough games on the schedule. There's question marks at key positions. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, quarterback, obviously, who's who's going to be the quarterback? Tony Muskie, is it going to be Anthony Calandria? Jay Wolfick's in there as well. Muskett spoke very highly of Anthony Calandria this offseason. Um, and I think you saw flashes in the spring of what he can bring to his offense but he is very young a lot of learning to do um, and he's going to be put in a position where the defense is probably going to struggle to keep teams um, at bay and he's going to have to score a lot of points if UVA are to win the, you know, they've lost Fentrell Cypress to, to FSU he's a huge loss Anthony Johnson obviously to the, to the NFL they do bring back Chico Bennett who is a dangerous pass rusher but there's a lot of questions on both sides of the ball, and I, I, I struggle to fit for UVA to see where the wins are coming from. So I think it, it does kind of seem a little bit bleak. I think it's more promising for VT, for sure. I think the Hokies, um, the first three games are going to be a big test and a big um, yardstick to which to measure what VT season can be like. If they can win three of those four um, first four games, We've talked about the struggles that ODU are likely to have. So that's a win in the bag. They play Rutgers, um, which, you know, historically that should be a win for a team like Virginia Tech. Marshall are going to be good this year. So that's not a, a, a given. And Purdue, I think they could be good this year as well. So it's it's a tough opening um, start to the season if they don't get three wins. Um, and you look what they did in the transfer portal. We mentioned Ali Jennings already, but they've got a whole new trio of wide receivers with Daquan Felton and Jalen Lane, who came over from Middle Tennessee. For me, I think they brought in a guy at the running back position. All these wide receivers, we'll get to who's going to throw to him in a minute. All these wide receivers, but it's a running back for me that's really exciting when you look at Virginia Tech, and that's Basial Tootin out of North Carolina A&T. 1,700 total yards last year, 17 touchdowns, explosive, home run hitter, Plays already is already played against ACC opposition against Duke. He could be a, a kid that you look at as being the um, ACC's top newcomer. I really believe that. Um, and Grant Wells take the the next step at quarterback. 
Or will a guy like Pop Watson come in and push him? Because we saw in the spring what he brings to an offense, an incredible dual threat. Uh, and I think he's a, an exciting talent. And if you're Virginia Tech and you struggle in those couple of games, I don't see how you keep Pop Watson on the sideline um, if the weight reason you've struggled is the inability to, to progress of, of Grant Wells. You know, I'll be honest. I'm just amazed that you overlooked the fact that Jalen Lane happened to get those famed Lane genetics for athletics. <laughs> I, I was going to say, how will you look over the fact that ODU has won two of the last three against Virginia Tech? Yeah, better Virginia well, Tech producer Trey Lyle coming out here, Ollie. Well, this is what I mean when you talk about those ODU results against um, opposition that you think maybe they shouldn't get that. And, and obviously that early uh, early season game <laughs> last year, they, they always play teams tough. I just, I really, I really struggle to see how they play teams tough this year. Yeah, that's a good point for that. So anyway, to Virginia Tech, though, because obviously that's ODU's opening game once again, but it is in Blacksburg for a Saturday night as opposed to uh, over in Virginia Beach for a Friday night affair. Um, At quarterback for Virginia Tech, are you more sold on Grant Wells right now for Virginia Tech, or is that still such a question mark that it tempers your overall expectations for the entire team? I think when you look at what Grant Wells did in his first season at Marshall, he's clearly a talented quarterback, um, and sometimes you just need to you need to hit the reset button, and potentially Grant Wells can do that. Um, I was really sold on Pop Watson. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, when I I was studying potential quarterback battles um, really early in the off season, even before the draft, and this was one that to me I looked at and I was like, look, this kid, this kid, William Watson the third is, he's a true dual, a dual threat. He's wildly exciting to watch play football. Um, but he's also pretty mature um, in his um, ability as, uh, as to throw in throwing the ball in decision making and an ability to fit the ball into tight windows and stuff like that. And I think yeah, Grant Wells. It doesn't feel like he's going to lose the starting job by the time that ODU comes game comes around. I think he starts the season. I think if he doesn't show that ability to to be the guy that he was at Marshall to progress beyond last year, because you know. It wasn't great to watch last year. If he can't take that next step very quickly, you have to start thinking about rolling the dice and, and swinging on on a, a different option. And I, I think that option for me would be would be Paul Watson. Wow! So we could see a lot of changes coming to Virginia Tech in terms of how that position transpires over the early portion of the season, Ollie. If you're okay with it, we'll get you back on. Maybe look bigger picture on where Virginia and Virginia Tech fit in the ACC landscape as well as the rest of those teams in college football as the season gets closer. Absolutely. Always love it. Always appreciate you guys having me on. It's our pleasure. Oliver Hodgkinson with us in the fast lane in a really good way to get some an overview. And he's not sold on Grant Wells and thinks maybe it's not Kyron Jones. Maybe they have to go young at quarterback. Trey, you, uh, you concerned about that as well? Nah, we'll see. Um, Drones is kind of, I think, the guy they want to be the starter. It's kind of, you know, um, uh, we'll just see it. Tech needs better quarterback play. They haven't had it since Hinden Hooker. Really? Yeah, I would and say Hinden, so. Hinden was inconsistent. So, um, you know, it, it, and I think that's a credit to him kind of, you know, 
how improved he has been in his time at Tennessee and obviously getting drafted to the NFL. But I think since Hendon Hooker, really since, you know, Gerard, Tech really hasn't had consistent quarterback play from year over year since, what, Logan Thomas? Yeah. Maybe Michael Brewer, but he was hurt a lot. Yeah, I mean, those are all really valid points for Virginia Tech. And even if, if Grant Wells can be solid and average, they should be in a lot of games with a chance to win them. It's not super easy. Marshall, Old Dominion, Rutgers, and Purdue. But those are also not teams that are on the highest end of the spectrum in terms of difficulty, kind of right there with Virginia Tech. And if Tech takes a leap forward, they'll be ahead of them. If Tech fails to do that, they'll be behind. If Tech takes a leap forward in some areas but not others, you're looking at a lot of different dogfights. I can see the over, though, for Virginia Tech at five wins. I think you can make a compelling argument for that. Liberty at nine, more on that, as well as UVA at three and a half as well and you know again that's not an official play on Virginia Tech but maybe that will come within the next day or two or week or two here in our votes of confidence that will be part of our show tomorrow will Trey and I have our we just can't quit them projections find out tomorrow in the fast lane in the meantime a big thanks to Oliver Hodgkinson for his time and stay updated Trey Law VT the social platforms for him fast lane Ed lane where you listen to podcasts and Facebook Twitter Instagram we're back tomorrow afternoon five to six